Mark chapter number 4, and we'll start reading verse number 35. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he rose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Reading a book about uh, social media and how the people who have developed these platforms um, kind of manipulate, or not kind of, but they do manipulate how you look at things. And one fascinating thing that I read about it was in election times, right before people go out to vote, um, there are advertisers and, and, and people who don't want certain people to go out and vote that will put out things to, to make people sad. And somehow, I don't understand how, they, how it works or anything, but, but it's geared to make certain segments of the population sad and depressed because they found that when people are sad, when people feel like nobody cares about them, then they're less likely to go and vote. And so, they, so the apps, the, the media platforms, actually purposely make people sad or try to make people sad with the hopes that they'll just be too depressed to go out and vote. All, who cares? What's the point? Nobody cares about me. And so they, you know, th they throttle down who can see what you post, and then fewer people like what you post, and if fewer people like what you post, then, then you think nobody cares about you, and so and that, that kind of thing. It's, it's amazing how we can be manipulated and... and, and get into a state where we think, well, just nobody cares about me. Nobody cares what happens to me. Nobody cares if I'm sick. Nobody cares if, if I'm uh, doing okay or not. And sometimes we think that, and, and you know, some people might not even know anything's going on, right? So uh, we, can just, we can manipulate ourselves in that regard. We can, we can come to a point, well, nobody cares about me. Well, nobody knows anything's going on, right? Uh, but, but we can feel alone. And that's a, a, a bad place to feel. That's a bad place to be to, to think that nobody cares. Nobody cares for my soul. Nobody cares about me. Well, the disciples got to a point where they said, Jesus, don't you care about us? Jesus, carest thou not that we perish? They, are, they were in a place where they just felt that Jesus didn't care whether they lived or died. Jesus didn't care if they made it to the other side of the sea or not. He was down there sleeping, and, 
and he wasn't doing something. He wasn't doing what they wanted him to. And Jesus, you just don't care about us. You don't care about uh, uh, our souls. What a thing to say to the Lord of glory. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Does Jesus care? Does Jesus care about us? It's easy to to read the Bible and to read the passages of the Psalms and in the New Testament and other places that talk about that. It's easy to know these facts. It's easy to, to read and to even believe that they are true. But whenever life gets hard and things happen that are outside of our control, when we get into a scary place, when we're getting into a confused place, we can, just like the disciples, fall back into this sinful attitude and say, Jesus, don't you care about me? Have you left me alone? Have you forsaken me? Well, that's what we want to ask ourselves this morning. Does Jesus care? We'll look at this uh, story and, and we'll see several things from it. But ultimately, we won't get to that question. Does, does Jesus care? The first thing we find, and we will remember that Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. That Jesus is the sovereign of the storm. The storm did not take Jesus by surprise. This was the will of God. Whenever they got onto the boat, the disciples said they had no reason not to trust Jesus. They obeyed him. They did exactly what Jesus told him, them to do, and that was to get into the boat. They were, they were doing what God wanted them to do. And just a few hours later, they were in the midst of a storm that they thought was going to take their life. One thing that we need to remember just right off the bat is just because we are in a time of peril and a time of trial, um, we might you know, use the metaphor storm of life, does not mean that we're being punished for something that we have, we have done or that God has forsaken us. The very fact that they were in the storm was because the Lord had led them there, that God had brought them into that. Jesus brought the disciples into the storm. This is ultimately for the glory of God as we glorify God this morning in this passage. But it was also for the good of the disciples. The disciples were better on the other side of the sea. They were closer to the Lord. They had a better understanding of the Lord Jesus and the Lord God on the other side of the sea than they did when they got in the boat. They had more knowledge of the the power of Christ and the, the mercy of Christ than they did before they got into the boat. Had they not gotten into the boat, had they not gone through the storm, they would not have seen his power and his majesty. They would not have had this reverence and this worship of the Lord Jesus that they did when they saw his great power. When Jesus asked them, Why, how is it that you have no faith? Their faith was increased through this trial. So let, let's remember that, that the hard times doesn't mean that God has forsaken us and that these hard times are, are ultimately for our good. They were humbled on the other side of the sea. They were strengthened. They were refined. 
they learned a little bit about themselves, that they're not that they were weaker than they realized that they were, that they had less faith than they thought that they had. This trial of their faith um, showed them where what they were lacking, and God increased their faith and strengthened them through this. So that's, that's where we have to start, remembering who God is and remembering who we are and that the trials and the storms is not, and the fact that we have those feelings does not mean that God has forsaken his people. We know that he hasn't. Well, he sent the multitude away and they got in the ship and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat the ship so that it was now full. Matthew account in Matthew 8 says there arose a great tempest in the sea insomuch that the ship was covered with waves Luke 8 says that as they sailed he fell asleep and there came a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy this was no ordinary thunderstorm this was we might think hurricane type winds that, that it was a whirlwind a tempest a great storm these men were in jeopardy, the scriptures tell us. They were in a fight for their lives. I read an article about uh, hurricanes, and it was talking about how much energy is in a, a hurricane. And that for a Category 1, an average hurricane produces, if you were to, to measure that in the range of watts, right? So if you, you measure the wind and the energy generated in watts, it's the equivalent about half the total electrical capacity on the planet in a single hurricane. That's how much force, how much power is produced in one hurricane. Enough electrical energy to run half the planet. And they said if you go um, and, and look about the amount of energy that comes from the rain and the power of the rain, this is equivalent to about 200 times the total electrical capacity on the planet. NASA says that during the life cycle of a hurricane, it can expend as much energy as 10,000 nuclear bombs. And this is just the average hurricane. This is not one of the big ones. This is just, just the ones that happen every year. It's a lot of power. It's a lot of force that can knock down buildings and, and here almost sink a ship. The waves were coming over the ship. The, just to think about that, you're, you're going off, you go across the sea, and all of a sudden the wind starts blowing, the ship goes up and it's going down, the waves are crashing in, coming up over the boat, into the boat. The disciples are soaked from head to toe. Uh, they're, they're fighting for their lives. They're, they're pulling ropes and, and, and rowing and, and navigating and trying to go in the right direction of the wind so the, 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 the waves won't come and capsize the boat. And despite all that they're doing, the boat is still about to, to sink. The vessel rises and falls. The sea engulfs the ship. They can't see uh, hardly anything before them. That, that sensation that the boat's about to flip. And here you have these uh, some of these men were experienced sailors. It may have been their boat. Uh, the, the, they're experienced men who made their life out on the, in the water were fearful that they were about to die. 
And they run down into the ship. And there was Jesus asleep on a pillow. There he was. Just lying there. They were fighting. They were drenched. Jesus was, was asleep. And they woke him up and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus, what are you doing? Wake up. We're, we're going to die. Don't you care that we're about to die? Luke's account that they woke him, Master, we, Master, we perish. Save us, we perish. Here they thought that they were about they were going to die. I'm just trying to imagine being out on the sea and the storm rolls in just out of nowhere. The sky turns black, the wind picks up, the rain being down, you're being tossed about. Taking in more and more water. Knowing that they were in jeopardy, the boat was about to, to break apart. They've done everything that they could. They think they're going to die and they go down to find out what Jesus is doing. Maybe Jesus was praying. Maybe Jesus was, was down in the ship doing something else. They go and there he was asleep. Master, carest thou not that we perish? This was a rebuke. They accused God. They didn't trust him. They thought Jesus was far removed from the situation that that he didn't care. He didn't care what happened. He didn't know what was going on. Jesus, wake up. Don't you realize what's happening? Don't you care what's about to happen? Don't you care about us? So this is the, the question they put forth. Don't you care? Why don't you do something? Well, that's the question of the message. Does Jesus care? And like the hymn that we sang, yes, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. Well, how do we know he cares? How do we know that his heart is touched with our grief? How do we know that the Lord uh, does care for his own? Well, the scripture tells us very plainly in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse uh, 6 and 7, the scriptures tell us this, this truth. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Peter is talking to these people. First Peter is written to people who are being going through hard times. We're looking at that. On, on Wednesday nights. So we know that people who are going through hard times as strangers and pilgrims in this life, um, their, their hope is trusting in the Lord, the Lord God. Now Peter is an older man when he writes this. He's lived a long time and seen a lot of things. One of the things that Peter saw was that big storm blowing in. Peter was one of those men on the boat as the waves were crashing in. Peter was covered head to toe in the seawater and fighting and navigating. And since he was the fisherman, he might have been, and usually it seems like he's the one in the lead, he might have been one captaining the boat and, and, or piloting the boat and, 
giving orders to the other disciples what to do and, and, and how to, to navigate the ship. He might have been the one that went downstairs and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Peter had seen a lot of things and, and, and heard a lot of things. Jesus, don't you care for us? Well, now all these years later, Peter, who had been commissioned by the Lord to feed the sheep, to, to teach, Peter says that he's just going to keep preaching, and whether they've heard it or not, and heard it many times from his own mouth, he's just going to keep on preaching the same thing. He looks at these scattered strangers, these, these uh, overwhelmed disciples, and he says, Jesus cares for you. Yes, he cares. I know that he cares. The man that questioned whether Jesus cares or not now looks to the disciples all these years later and says, I've lived a long time and I know um, I, I've walked with the Lord a long time. And I know in trials and, and troubles that when we're full of care and anxiety and worry, that you can wonder, well, does the Lord care about us? Has the Lord forgotten us? And Peter says, no, cast your care upon him, for he careth for you. Cast all your care upon him, he says. The disciples, when the storm came, they were fighting, they were doing everything that they could. And it wasn't until they got to the end of the rope, they ran out of ideas, they, they were, knew they were about to die, then did they go to the Lord. But Peter says, no, Cast all your cares upon him, all your anxieties, all your worries. Don't hold on to them. Don't keep them all to yourself. Cast them upon him. Unburden yourself. I don't know all that they were doing, but I've read, uh, I, I've read a lot of, about. Um, you know, sea disasters. I don't know why I like to read about sea disasters, but uh, that just interests, interests me. And a lot of times, those winds will come, they just start throwing everything overboard. You read that in the book of Acts. They just start throwing all their supplies overboard to lighten the load. It's better to lose all that the, the money that you had in whatever it is you're hauling than to, to sink. And so the disciples may have been doing that, casting their fishing gear over the side or casting their belongings over the side anything that wasn't necessary cast it aside no we cast and we do all this but we don't cast our cares upon the Lord all of them big cares and small cares heavy trials and small burdens God, it's not that God is too busy to, to, to be bothered he's eternal But Peter, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures hit the nail on the head here. God knows us. And it's not that we don't think that God can hear us. And it's not that we don't think that God isn't powerful enough to do anything. But Peter tells us why. For he careth for you. Why should we do that? Because he cares for you. And I think that's what... The disciples, well, I know that's what the disciples' problem, because they ask that. But what, what, what is our problem? It's the same. Does Jesus care? Does the Lord really care? Does he care for us? 
You might feel like that and no one cares. The world we live in can be a lonely world. It would seem the opposite, right? That you can pick up a phone and call somebody. You can text somebody. I, um, you know, I, I didn't get very far uh, on my vacation uh, Monday. And I was getting you know, people texting me about things at work. You know, I, it's just uh, you know, it's constant contact. That, that people, that, you know, you can just communicate with people very easily. But probably lonelier as a society than, than any time ever before. I've, I've read that um, about a lot of uh, depression and, and suicides that happen, that the people seem to be just lonelier than ever before. There, there's sort of a fake connection that we have that we don't really connect with other people gather together with people especially whenever everything closed down people are, are locked away, they're, they're not around other people, they don't communicate with other people and you feel like well nobody cares well the scripture tells us that we are not alone, whether we are isolated from other people whether it's the hospital bed whether it was Paul in a prison cell whether it is isolated from other Christians on your job. The scripture tells us we are not alone. God has not forsaken us. Yes, Jesus cares. He cares about our soul. We cast all of our anxieties upon him for he cares for us. He cares for you, Peter says. Not just in a grand scheme of things, But for you, child of God, he cares for you in particular. He is not uncaring about your trials. He is not uncaring about your uh, struggles. Even if these are self-inflicted wounds from our own faithfulness, the Lord cares. The Lord cares for us in our, our, our burdens and our anxieties. He cares about our holiness. He cares about our lives. He cares about our future. So what? What do you mean he cares about our future? How could the Lord care about our future? Well, in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, that he has begotten us again, into verse number 4, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith and salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. He cares about your future, for he has provided for your future. It is his will, it is his desire, that the child of God... Be receive the inheritance that he has given to you. That you do not fall away, that you don't, don't um, go off into apostasy, but he cares for you and he keeps you by his power and he keeps you by his, his might. He has an inheritance reserved. He cares for you. And this is a care that has the power to do something. The disciples felt that Jesus didn't care because he didn't do something right then and there. You can't judge whether or not God cares by what, if God does what you want Him to when, he want, when, you want him, when you want Him to do it. The disciples wanted Jesus up and doing something right then. I don't know what they, what they expected because they were surprised whenever He stilled the sea. But because He didn't act the way they wanted Him to act, they felt that He didn't care. 
think, you know, you might have a heavy burden pressing down on you and crushing you or a situation where there's nothing you're able to do but cry out to God. So I'll just handle it by myself. I don't need to pray about it. I don't need to ask other people to pray for me. What's Peter say? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves. The disciples might have had, I don't know, what if they had buckets? The water's coming in, they had buckets or a pump or something. They're getting the water out of the boat. Working as hard as they could doing this. Well, it's not time to ask God for help yet. It's not time to pray yet. It's not time to go to Jesus yet. We still have, to, we still have strength. No, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Pray into the Lord. Cast your cares upon Him. Cast your burdens upon Him. You don't have to carry those burdens. You don't have to carry those alone. You don't have to walk alone. But, you know, in our pride and our self-sufficiency, we think that we have to. And it's not until those anxieties crush us that we stop and say, Lord, help Lord, help me. He is able to bear our cares. He is able to do something about it. He is able to strengthen us. So maybe we have a burden. Maybe the Lord will remove the burden. Maybe the Lord will remove the trial. Or maybe He'll just give you the strength to bear up under it. But we are to cast all those cares upon Him because He cares for you. God's in control of all things. And we're ruled by His providence. But God isn't a cold ruler. There are some religions that believe in a sovereign God, an all-powerful God. But He's a cold, impersonal ruler. Well, our God is sovereign. He's a Lord and King, but He's also a Father to His children. Christ is not a harsh Master. He's a loving Savior. Cast your cares upon Him. Yes, because He is sovereign. Yes, because He is in control. But also because He cares for you. And He desires, He wants you to cast your cares upon Him. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Not only will he hear us, not only does he care, but he will sustain us. Now, sustain us doesn't mean that it turns out like we want it to. That's not what it means to sustain We could, we could use the piano, for example, and, and hit that sustain uh, pedal. You hit that pedal, and what happens? You hit the chords, and it'll just ring and ring and ring. It's like whenever you hit a, a, a chord on the guitar, and you just let it go, it'll just ring. You can hear it for seconds after. You can hear it a little while after. It sustains. It, keep, it, it carries it on. 
Now, the Lord may not remove our problems. It may, in fact, get worse. But he will sustain us. He will keep it going. He will keep us going. He won't let us, he won't let us go. He will give us strength. He will be with us. We might be battered by the storm. We might get bounced around like a ship at sea, but, but we have an anchor that keeps the soul, as the Scripture says. God will not let us go. Does Jesus care? Well, let's think about a few passages of Scriptures. One, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Does Jesus care? Well, Peter says that He does. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews 4, 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, like as we are, yet without sin. He cares. He is able to deliver. He will intercede. We don't have a high priest that doesn't understand. We have one who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Do you trust Christ as your priest? Do you think Jesus is a good priest? Do you think he is a capable priest? Remember when he, uh, Hannah went and prayed to Eli because of all of her problems, and Eli told her to go home because she's drunk? Don't be coming out here drunk. Hannah, go on home. He didn't care. He wasn't, he wasn't a very compassionate priest. Is that the way you think about Jesus? Do you think Jesus is a bad priest? Well, when we say Jesus doesn't care, then I think we do say that or think that anyway, that Jesus just isn't very good at his job. No, we have a high priest that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Yet he's not a sinner. He, was, he did not sin. Not only does He have the power to keep us and to sustain us and provide for us, but He cares for us. And His love for us sustains us and keeps us and encourages us and blesses us. Does Jesus care? Well, Hebrews 5, verse number 7 who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Think about what Jesus endured in the days of his flesh. The suffering that he endured. Isaiah says he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Why did he do that? He might become the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Jesus came to save his people. Jesus suffered at Calvary for his people. Jesus suffered his whole life for his people. He was a, a high priest that... that Knew, knows our sufferings because he endured sufferings far greater than you and I endure. 
He learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and he did those things for you. He suffered for you. He died for you. And then we asked Jesus, well, don't you care? Look with eyes of faith at those nail-pierced hands and ask Jesus if he cares. Think of him with the, the, the crown of thorns upon his brow and the open wounds upon his back. His feet pierced to that cursed tree and say, Jesus, don't you care? Think of him as he was tempted in the wilderness, as he was mocked and as he was ridiculed, as he was uh, despised and rejected for you, and then say, Jesus, don't you care? It's hard to do that, isn't it? Because we know that he cares for what he did for us. Let's back up a little bit before he goes to Calvary in, in Luke 22. Let's listen to Jesus for a moment. He falls upon his face in prayer as he's about to go and die for our sins. In verse 41, he kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if, it be, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel from heaven strengthening him and being in agony. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. See the Lord Jesus down upon his, on his knees, down, uh, falling down to the ground, praying in agony. In agony of soul, soaked with sweat, Soaked with bloody sweat falling to the earth. Why? Because he was about to drink the cup of the wrath of God for you. Can you go to Gethsemane and interrupt his, his bloody prayers and say, Jesus, don't you care about me? No, we see he cares. We see how much he cares as he prays for us, as he prays um, in preparation and agony of what he has to endure for us. Does the Father care? Will the Father so love the world that he gave his only begotten Son? Our God loves his people and cares for them so much that he sent his Son to be a victim an atoning victim for the sins that we committed that we might have everlasting life. Well, Jesus arose. They woke him up and he arose. He got up and he rebuked the wind. He chastened the wind. He yelled at the wind and said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Matthew says, why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? You ever been in a bad storm and just kind of get scared because you, you haven't seen the wind blow that hard in a while and you see the trees maybe swaying from side to side you hear the cracking of limbs falling to the ground? 
kind of feel overpowering. We lived in North Carolina. There was a hurricane, or not hurricane, a tornado that came through not very far from, from just a few miles from where we lived. That was a, uh, a scary time. We lived in a, we lived in a double wide trailer. Didn't have any place for to go. We went and found a place, um, a, a block place to go, and, and we we hid out there because we'd been doomed in that double wide where we were at. If that tornado happened to come through, we were we were exposed. Now I couldn't have got out and told that wind, that tornado, peace, be still. Cut it out, wind. Next time, next time the creeks get high, go out in the middle of the creek and tell it to stop. I was wading down in the river fishing um, earlier this year, and uh, I got to a part where it's flowing pretty fast. What about knocked me down just trying to walk through it? And that, it was it wasn't even that high then, but the power of the water hitting against me, it, 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 it's hard to walk through. It's been silly for me to go out there and put my hands out and say, peace, be still, stop flowing, river. Because it's not going to work. Go out to a thunderstorm and tell that storm to pass on by. Well, you might get struck by lightning by doing that. Jesus goes out and says, stop, and the wind stops. He goes out and says, be still, waves, and it quits. The boat was rocking back and forth and it stops and it settles and now that sea is just smooth as glass calm as could be why? because Jesus told it to he commanded peace and there was peace here's the author of peace that can bring peace in the midst of the storm he provides peace like a dog obeying its master the sea obeyed Jesus and they said what manner of man is this? Well, Jesus asked a good question, and this is, this is how we'll close in verse number 40. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Does Jesus care? Yes, we've answered that. Yes, he cares. But Jesus asked a, a follow-up question. This is the one that we need to think about. Why are you so fearful? Why did you say that to me? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith in me? That's a good question. What's the issue here? Why is it, how is it that you can't believe me in in trials and troubles and heartaches? Why is it that you think that I have forsaken you? Why is it that you believe that I don't care for you? Where's the deficiency? Well, Jesus says it's a lack of faith. So we know what faith is. It's knowledge and assent and trust in the Lord. So let's ask ourselves, let's go through what the definition of faith, knowledge and assent and trust. Why is it that we don't think Jesus cares? Is it a lack of knowledge? Well, I don't think that's the case. I didn't read any passage of scripture that any of us didn't already know this morning. This was not some obscure passage that you might not be familiar with in a, in a minor prophet. These are very familiar passages of Scripture. 
It's not a lack of knowledge. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God is all-powerful and can do all things. We know that God hears prayers, and we know that God can answer prayers. So it can't be a lack of knowledge. It might be that we don't assent to those truths. It might be that we just don't believe that, but I don't really think that's the problem that we have either. It's not that we don't believe the Bible is true or believe that those promises are true or that we believe the Bible is wrong. It's probably the last part of faith, the essential part, and that's trusting and resting in that knowledge. We know what the Bible says about Jesus, and we know that the Bible is true. Peter knew that God was sovereign. Peter knew that God answered prayers. Peter knew that God was with them. But it was just, why did they have no faith? Because they didn't trust it for themselves. They were fearful because they didn't say, God is with me. Christ is with us. We can say, yes, yes, I know, Pastor. I know, cast cares upon the Lord. I know what it says. I know I ought to, and I know I don't. Then how is it that you have no faith? Then why are you so fearful? Because it's the last thing, because we don't rest in those promises. We don't trust in his care. We don't say, I know that's true. I know what the Bible says, and I know it's true for me. And we might say it in the good times, but in the middle of the trouble, they might have said it on the seashore, but in the middle of the sea, they weren't saying it. That's when we need to rest and know and rest assured that, yes, my Savior cares. Yes, he cares for me. And I'm going to rest and cast my cares upon him and rest knowing that my Lord cares for me. What manner of man is this? Well, he's the son of the living God. He is the Savior of men. Cast your cares upon him and trust upon him, for he careth for you.